Hey guys, welcome to Mid-Century Living. This week we release our first bonus episode as a companion to our Halloween special. Since we released on Tuesday this week, we didn't want to skip our usual Friday release, so we have another companion episode. Today we'll be covering some bonus material from our Jet Engines episode, and go a little bit more in depth into the history of flying and what came before the Jet Engine. If you haven't already, go ahead and listen to episode 3, Jet Engines and the Golden Age of Flying for some mid-century goodness on flying, planes, and fashion. If you've already listened to episode 3, stay tuned in. We hope you enjoy this companion episode. Welcome to Mid-Century Living, your weekly podcast about everything mid-century and how to bring the best of the mid-century to your everyday lives. Hey guys, welcome uh, to Mid-Century Living. Today we have a little bit of a different episode. We have a little bonus information to go along with our Jet Engines episode. Um, we wanted to give you guys a little bit of a background on how planes fly, or not necessarily how planes fly, but a background on the flying history or the history of flight. Real quickly though, I just want to make sure that everyone knows that we're not an engineering podcast. We are a Mid-Century Living podcast. Uh, so I'm going to explain a little bit about how planes fly, but I am not an engineer. So, um, flying, you know, it's not exactly mid-century. Powered flight is not even new to the mid-century. Everyone knows the story of the Wright brothers and their first flight. But what most people don't realize is that they started flying a few years before. They started doing gliding. They experimented with flying around 1899, but they're... Powered flight was not until 1903. So what's, what they wanted to make sure they, they did was master flight before they mastered powered flight. But the first powered flight that we know of in Kitty Hawk is in December 17th, 1903. And it is the first time that a plane flew under its own power. Before then, it was gliding and it was attempts at engines. Uh, the Wright Flyer, which is the name of the the quote, plane that they used, a 40-foot, 605-pound flyer with double tails and elevators with a little engine that pushed two propellers. And that was not your everyday L-hand engine, which if you guys are into flying, you know that an L-hand is a shorthand acronym for a length-coming, horizontally opposed, air-cooled, normally aspirated direct drive engine. So yeah, that is the standard propeller plane engine for someone like me who flies little general aviation Cessna 172s, uh, the L-hand, which interestingly I had to memorize for my checkride. Hmm. But anyway, that brings us to 1903 and when Wilbur and Orville Wright decided to see who's going to fly the plane, they actually flipped the coin, which I thought was funny because Wilbur won, but he screwed up his attempt and uh, the flight failed. Uh, so, of course, Orville was like, well, you, that was your go. <laughs> the guy who actually did the first flight was Orville. And then, of course, as time goes by, you know, we have World War I, and there was very little use for an airplane before World War I. During World War I, we started seeing the use of uh, planes for reconnaissance. So they used to fly over and just you know, come back before radios existed, really, and say the enemy is in such and such position. 
And of course, during the war, they started mounting things like the machine gun and all that stuff onto the planes. But again, civilian flight was not really a thing. In the 1920s and 30s, after World War I, we start seeing uh, a change in flying. The war left a lot of main Europe under destruction. So things like infrastructure that, of bridges, train tracks, etc., kind of stopped people from traveling. But with an airplane, you don't need to worry about bridges and train tracks and stuff. So that kind of paved the way for the launch of uh, air routes. So we start seeing the beginning of airlines using all this overflow stock of military airplanes, but they modify them to carry people instead of supplies. So planes like the de Havilland DH-4, which how cool would it be to fly in a de Havilland? I feel like we lost so much when that company went under. I mean, Boeing and Airbus are cool, but de Havilland just sounds like a Disney villain. <laughs> so, but yes, as time passed and we started to fly more, there was a need for better engines to carry more passengers. So we started with the small engine from the Wright brothers. With time, we started developing the piston engine, which if you think of an engine, a car, that is a piston engine. You have a cylinder that moves up and down. And when the cylinders move, they rotate a crankshaft. So the piston engine, also called the reciprocating engine, is what drives the propellers in a propeller plane. And typically, you have an inline or a V-line engine where cylinders are in a block, but those require cooling by means of liquids because they get really hot. So we developed the radial engine, which if you can think of an old plane in your head and you see the propellers and a bunch of cylinders that come out kind of like a star, that is a radial engine. The cylinders are arranged in a circle around the crankshaft and they use air from the movement, we call that airstream, uh, to keep the engine cool. So. That is a little bit of background on how we get the engine created for flying. And of course, after this, we move into World War II and the plane develops a little bit more. So if you guys found this interesting, I suggest you look up our episode on how the en uh, jet engine worked, um, where we will cover how the jet engine moved into World War II, after World War II, and into the glorious flying age of the 1950s. Thank you for joining us on this bonus episode of Mid-Century Living. Don't forget to subscribe, tell your friends, and leave a review. We're on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you find podcasts. See you next week.